That's the microphone. I'm the youth minister here at Pine Tree. Uh, Jody, our normal preaching minister, is on vacation, so I wanted to wish you all happy National Youth Minister's Preaching Day. So it uh, usually falls the day after Christmas uh, or some sort of holiday like that. So, uh, But I want to welcome you guys here, and I want you to think about uh, generational teachings, teachings and thoughts that you pass down uh, to your children and to your family. And I did something at first service that I think I'm going to do at second service uh, because I liked it better, so it was for my benefit. But we're going to address the elephant in the room, right? So yes, I am wearing uh, sandals to preach in again. No, I'm just kidding. That's if, you, if you're a visitor, maybe that's the elephant in the room, but if you're uh, a member, then you know that I preach in sandals. But I'm going to turn over these paintings because I want you to be able to uh, look at them and to enjoy them throughout the sermon. Uh, when I bore you or I lose you, you'll have something to focus on. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I enjoyed Adam's comment because maybe today would have been the best day to not be a back row uh, sitter, right? So I want to turn these over and we're going to talk about these a little bit throughout the sermon. Actually, we're going to talk about these a lot throughout the sermon. But I want you to think about some generational teaching. I want you to think about, man, everything is going really well. Where did I just put that clicker? This feels like a magic trick, but it's not. It's under my notes. That's embarrassing. I want you to think about some generational teachings. This morning, we're going to look at Psalms 23. Psalms 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Psalms uh, 23. And I want you to think about when was the first time that you have heard Psalms 23? Psalms 23 is one of the more well-known passages in the Bible. Matter of fact, a lot of people who might not be Christians or call them, consider themselves Christians will have heard or know aspects of Psalms 23. As a child, I grew up uh, in the church and we had this really cool children's program that I was given the honor to name. And so as I was trying to think about what the name of this, this children's program would be, I was a really big fan of Ghostbusters. Has anybody ever seen the Ghostbuster movies? Okay, I loved those. Uh, and so I came up with Bible Busters, okay? And I remember the night that I called the preacher and I said, I've got it. We can call it Bible Busters. And then embarrassingly, I remember singing him a tune, and now I'm like, why did I do that? And it was over a phone, and I'm sure he was like, wow, that was great. But I was like, when the preacher stuck in the middle of a sermon, who he's going to call? Oh, man, I love second service. I did not do that at first service, because I did not want that recorded, okay? But uh, I, I, remember, I remember calling it Bible Busters, and I remember uh, learning at a young age, Psalms 23 was one of the the papers that I had to memorize in order to get my Shrinky Dink badge. You guys remember Shrinky Dinks uh, that went on my Bible Busters banner. And Psalms 23 with me was paired a lot with another passage that I learned to memorize, which was the Lord's Prayer. So it was just one of those passages that as a young child, I read a lot. I read a lot because I had to memorize it. Uh, I've heard sermons over it. I had people teach it. And I was thinking about generational teachings and intergenerational classes. You know, maybe this was inspired by Jody's sermon about one of our commitments about being an intergenerational church and passing on 
uh, our knowledge and talking about that. And so what I did was I asked four wonderful painters uh, to read Psalms 23 to find one line that stuck out to them and to paint a picture about that. And one of them I received three minutes before uh, we started first service. Uh, so I, I apologize. I have pictures with the other artists, but Reese Discosio did a wonderful job and she, she uh, painted this one for me, uh, but gave it to me this morning. So talk about, um, you know, last minute there, trying to, trying to work that in. But it's a wonderful painting. And so I want you to look at these paintings, especially as we read Psalms 23. And this morning, I want to start the sermon by reading to you Psalms 23. And to focus your mind, if you are one who, who needs, who likes the visual of looking at these paintings, look at these paintings. If you're one who needs to follow along in the text to stay focused on what is being read, what we're saying, do that. If you're one who is brave and strong and you can close their eyes and just listen to my voice as I read the text and not fall asleep, we'll trust you, uh, but you can do that. But as I said, I'm the youth minister, and I I say this a lot to teenagers to get their attention when I teach class. If you don't get anything out of this class, if you fall away or you don't pay attention, listen to this point. Walk away with just this. And that's what I really want in this sermon right now, is to just listen to Psalms 23. And I want you to think about, where am I right now in Psalms 23? Where does this hit me in my life? So I want to read that for you. Psalms 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me in all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want you to take a moment here and I want you to look at this first painting. Okay? Look at this first painting. Peyton Uh, painted that for us and he did a great job what's the first thing that kind of sticks out to you when you see this painting sheep yeah I don't ask rhetorical questions I'm the youth minister I'm sorry that's that's how I roll but it's the sheep right and I was blessed all week to to have these paintings and to have them in my office and to be able to you know stare at them and ponder and dwell on God's word and I, I love how Peyton did this. By the way, he's a fourth grader, painted this picture for me. And he painted these sheep. 
And I love it because it draws my eye, draws my eyes to, to the sheep. And I love it because I think of David's psalm here. And David portrays God as this loving shepherd. This loving shepherd. You know, David would have been super familiar with the idea of a shepherd. Right? And he starts the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I remember as a child reading that and going, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would I not want the Lord as my shepherd? Well, that's kind of silly. That's not how it's worded. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. Because of who God is. The imagery of God as a shepherd is common throughout the Old Testament. It's emphasized in the Lord's personal care and guidance and protection of his people. David would have known, and so he uses these words for a reason. He refers to the Lord as the shepherd for a reason. David grew up around sheep. We know that David fought off lions and bears from his sheep. We know that David spent many times with his sheep. And so this imagery of of having the Lord as our shepherd is so powerful. It's so powerful because often I think of God as the creator. The one who spoke things into being. The one who breathes out suns. This huge, amazing God. When you read the creation story, the God whose light sustained life before he created the sun. This is who God is, great and powerful. And David describes him as the good shepherd. The shepherd is not the one you would invite to your Christmas party because he smelt like the sheep, because he lived with the sheep. The shepherd is amazing because he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. He knows if his sheep are walking funny because there's something wrong with their foot. The internet, when I was researching and looking up shepherds, which that can take you down a rabbit hole uh, for a long time. But it was amazing because this, some of the shepherds that I, I saw, they could recognize their sheep's call individually. Out of all the sheep that they had, they could tell which one was which. And then I take that picture and I smack it with this other picture of who our God is. This creator, this huge God, and yet he is such a personable God who is this good shepherd. Who is this protector and who knows us. And we can rest assured in the hands of the ruler of the universe with our God as the shepherd. There's nothing that we could ever lack. There's nothing we could ever lack because God is our shepherd, right? And then the next verse, his next verse says this, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. I was talking with Reese and that's what she wanted to paint here. She wanted to paint that idea of finding the still waters. And that he leads us 
He leads us besides still waters. I made that connection because uh, a lot of you know, uh, Lauren and I and Sam, we moved here from Kansas and I directed camp for a long time at Tallgrass Christian Camp. And there was a guy named Bill who donated that land. And it's a lot of acres of land. And I was always amazed at how much Bill knew about that land. He knew the history about what was there. He knew where the creeks were, where the ravines were, where the hills were. He knew where the natural tall grass started, where it ended, where the copycat tall grass was. He could recognize it and tell you everything about it. If you needed to know where something was on that land, he was the guy to go to. Bill Carragher. And it made that connection to here because God knows where the green pastures are. He knows where the still waters are. He is the shepherd that's leading us and guiding us to those places. I also love the way David says, says this, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. I always find it amazing, and I always love how controversial the Sabbath day is in the Bible. It's pretty simple for me to talk about it. You know, it's a day that you prepare to do nothing on. That sounds pretty great. And yet, how many of us really need God to make us lie down in the green pastures that he has led us to, to stop and to slow down. You know, green pastures can represent this substance and this plenty. You know, God cared for his children of Israel so much that while they're wandering in the desert, he provided them with what? With manna and with quail. He took care of them. And we can rest knowing that God will provide for us in the pasture. Green pastures can also relate to the word of God, right? We spend time meditating on God's word. We find rest and nourishment for our souls. Still or quiet waters can represent rest, refuge, safety, security. We can't trust our lives or we can trust our lives to the Lord and his safekeeping. I love this. I love this line. He restores my soul. I work work with another minister and we do a podcast called Behind the Beards. And we talk about ministry and ministry things. And at the end of every podcast, we end with scripture. Do not grow weary in doing good. And I say, this world is messy, this life is messy, so allow God to use you to do something different, something good in His name. And I think of this phrase, He restores my soul, because there's so much pain and suffering and brokenness in this world. And we feel that, and we see that. And there's so many people who are searching for something 
And I just don't know what it is that will just make things right and fix it. And it's God. It's God and it's His Word and it's His way and it's Jesus. The blessing that came to save us. He's the one that can restore my soul. So much more than than physical pain and suffering or, or even emotional or our mental state sometimes, but our soul that needs to be restored. You know, at times, sheep stray away from their shepherd. But the loving shepherd will leave the fold to find even just one lost sheep. Sometimes we walk away from the Lord and we find ourselves in need of God's forgiveness and His restoration in which He offers freely to those who repent and return to Him. We can never stray too far away from God's grace and mercy for us to repent and to walk back. And He will lead us to the green pastures and to quiet waters. You know, when you think of Psalms 23, we have this understanding of who God is. That He's the shepherd, that He loves us, that He takes care of us, and that He lives with us, and that He would die for us. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God. And the Lord promises to lead us in paths of righteousness. In keeping with everything that His name means, He will lead us in these paths of holiness, of love, of faithfulness, of wisdom, and even more. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When we realize and we have this understanding of of God being that good shepherd who is with us, who is not walking beside us or behind us, but leading us and guiding us, that even though we walk through these valleys with the shadow of death that's over us, we don't have to be afraid of evil or anything because we know who's with us. David acknowledges the reality that life sometimes takes us to these dark and desolate places. I love David in the Bible because, man, we see David at his highest and we see David at the lowest of lowests. And if you need to remind yourself about some of the stories in the Bible, you are more than welcome to come and teach David and Bathsheba to the junior hires anytime. Because there's a lot to that story that we sometimes forget. And we see David at his lowest. And he understands and he knows about the valley of the shadow of death. And what I love about David is that he is never afraid to turn and to fall on his knees and face and remember who's with him. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, rod and staff, it's used to guide the sheep. can't remember who it is. Somebody made a comment to me right after first service. They said, I love that verse because the wolves and the bears are afraid of that rod and staff. And yet it's the very thing that gives us comfort. And that's been sitting with me. 
Because God is there and he comforts us. The Lord walks with us through these seasons of darkness and despair. Even the bleakest, the blackest of times, we don't have to fear harm because our God is with us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. God prepares this table. Our God is so big. He loves you so much that in the presence of your enemies, he will protect you. That he is there with you. And even more so, David refers to this moment here of making sure that you know who's special because he anoints my head with oil. Portrays the Lord as this gracious host. You know, in ancient times, hospitality was more than just making sure your house was clean for company. It involved providing a meal for guests. It included the responsibility of protection. You are under my roof. You are under my care. I will take care of every need that you have. As a guest, the Lord, we can dine safely even in the presence of our enemies. And this next painting uh, was done by Shane Stover. And she's in the back over here. She loves it when everyone turns and waves to her. Now she'll never paint for me again. That's okay. But I, I love this painting. And when you first look at this painting, I'll be honest, I, I thought it was a completely different verse. I thought it was still waters. And when it was pointed out to me, it, it shocked me and it made me even, it was even more powerful than I thought. Because the next verse is what? My cup overflows and you might not be able to see it but maybe you will if you squint but up here you can see this itty bitty person and you remember that communion cup in your hand that one that filled you to the brim with grape juice that you drank overflowing that was a little bit of a joke that's okay but he's holding this little cup this person's holding this little cup and man what a powerful scene for just those few words, my cup overflows. Three words. And this has stuck with me since I saw this painting. Do you see how vast the amount of water that is pouring from the heavens in this painting? And I compare that to the grace and the mercy and all the goodness in which God is wanting and has at his disposal to pour onto your lives. And then you see that little person with that little cup. And I get so embarrassed at my own life because I go, well, I've got to hold on to this cup. Because what if I run out? What if there is no more? I made a reference to the, you know, the pandemic and how like, embarrassing it is now to think of. You know, at the start of, of COVID, we had this mass shortage of what? Of toilet paper? And you got people who've got like sheds full of toilet paper and how silly they must feel having vast amount of, they're like, that's going to be the new currency. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's not. I'm sorry. It's the wrong investment. And this is how I can feel. Look at how much God has to give you and bless you. Your cup overflows. There's no way that you could drain the amount of blessings in which God could give you in your lifetime. This is the good shepherd. This is the creator. This is who God is. And when David says, my cup overflows, this understanding of how much God has to give to us. And when I think of generational texts and generational things to pass on, that's something that I want to pass on to my son, Sam. This is how good God is. This is what he has to pass on to us. We often talk about, well, make sure you're filling your cup as you pour into others. And that makes me chuckle even more when I look at this painting and I go, man, I should be dumping into other people's cups because God can constantly overflow my cup. Surely, of course, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is no other place that I want to dwell than in the house of the Lord, because goodness and mercy follow me. Goodness and mercy follow me. Do you remember the scripture reading from this morning? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Did you catch verse 7? You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You will pass this on to your children, to your family, to those around you. This should be such a way, this good shepherd who God is, this should be something that pours out of you to everyone around you. Teaching our family, teaching our children, teaching our children of our faith and passing it down. Even something as simple as Psalms 23. And I want you to look at this last painting painted by Deborah. And I want you to remind you of the green pastures. The green pasture in which God is striving to lead you to to find that rest and to lay down. She brings us back to the start, and I love how this worked out because I told you how we went about this. 
So you have a fourth grader, you have a high schooler, you have a young adult, and a more senior adult. And we start in the pasture learning about sheep, and we work our way through, and we end back where we started. And I don't know about you, but Psalms 23 is a place that I learned a whole lot about when I was younger. And there's a phrase that I keep saying over and over, week after week. My wife's probably sick of it, but I say this all the time. I say, man, as I get older, I connect more and more with more stories in the Bible. And the ups and the downs and the difficulties. And I hope you find yourself needing and wanting to be in these green pastures. And so maybe this morning is is a morning where you realize that I want to be a part of that family and I want to be in those green pastures and I want God to be my good shepherd and to lead me and to guide me. Or maybe you're in that valley of death and you have forgotten who is with you. And you need the help of your church family to pray with you, to walk alongside you as fellow sheep following the good shepherd. We have some elders who will come forward and Tony will lead us in that closing song. If you need anything, come forward as we stand and as we sing.